Welcome to Before You Go, I'm Bryant Monte. And I'm Nicole Franklin. Today we're talking to Rahima Rahim. Now she's a poet, an artist, and an activist for her people, as she describes herself. She lived many years in Turner Station, Maryland, which is the city made famous by Henrietta Lacks. We live in South Baltimore, actually where the Raven Stadium is, is constructed now, uh, along some railroad, near, near some railroad tracks. And so um, I grew up there, but when my father, uh, well, he, you know, employment was not very good at, at that time. And uh, my, my grandmother had experienced um, where the people were uh, not having a lot of, of money. So during the, pre- the Depression, we lived near uh, downtown and, and the waterfront. And so the, 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 the uh, veterans, well, the men, the Marines, actually, who couldn't go where other folk could go to celebrate, they would come to our house. I like to tell that part. <laughs> and she, she got on her knees and said, Lord, so I'm going to sell some uh, so I'm going to make some wine and, I, and I'm going to sell it and, 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 and food. And, uh, and, I, and I know it's illegal to, 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 to have bootleg liquor, but I'm going to have it. And when this depression is over, I'll be, you know, I'll be, I'll stop. I promise you. And so in the meantime, that, you know, that when I was born during all of that, whatever time that was. And um, then we, my mother moved across the track on the other side of where the Raven, Raven Stadium is. And when my mm-hmm. father went into the service, uh, because he couldn't find a job, okay. uh, the word came out that there were there were properties, uh, uh, houses available for women whose who were whose husbands were veterans. Oh. So she quickly jumped right on that, left that third floor apartment, and took us um, to Turner Station, which is in Baltimore County, mm-hmm. near what was Hollabird Homes. Uh, Hollabird um, uh, Air Airfield, I guess. Well, not the airfield, but there was a uh, Hollabird Navy thing there. So anyway, we we so we moved into Turner Station, and I so I grew up in Turner Station, um, and um, was was my my schooling was uh, very different from it was in the city. In the city, we had a like a three-story building. Uh, and and the bath most of the bathrooms were in the basement. They were wooden seats. They made a lot of and, and uh, I guess folks weren't good to use good used to flushing toilets. So the seats automatically flushed by themselves. You pushed it down, and when you got off, it jumped up. Uh, I didn't <laughs> pay too much attention to that, but my children had a real problem with that when they left wow. Turner Station. So basically, that's how my life started. And Turner Station, by the way, is the same place that Henrietta Lacks raised her children. Oh, yes, I, I'm hearing that. Uh, Bryant uh, was informing me that because I am very familiar with the science part of Henrietta Lacks, but I wasn't so familiar with her hometown or, or actually where she moved to. I guess she moved there when she got married. Yes, they, uh, they I, you know, most, well, it was near what was called Bethlehem Steel where they made, mm. where there was a lot of shipbuilding. And so men would come from the South to, um, to, to go to that area. Actually, I'm, I'm, um, I've done a, a poem, and that's my passion. My passion is poetry. I've done oh, I've heard. I'm, I'm hoping you're, you can read some poetry today. I hope you brought something with you. Yeah, well, actually, I'd like to, I'd like to do um, what I call 
Mr. I haven't decided whether Mr. Master, because it has two different meanings, Lawrence of Turner Station, Healy, Henrietta Lacks' son. And I perform this, I like to perform my poetry, I'm very dramatic, I like to perform my poetry. And so I'd like to read this or try to recite it, though I can read it now since nobody can see me, <laughs> uh, if that's okay. Please. And it gives you a kind of flavor of what, what life was like back in those days. I love it. Here we go. Uh, Lawrence of Turner Station, Henrietta Lacks' son. By the way, I interviewed him to get some of this information, and some of it just came along with me and my brother. <clears throat> Lawrence, Lawrence, bless the Lord. Why are these chickens in our front yard? We ain't in Clover, Virginia no more. Run that dog back out the door. Think I'm going to work all day whilst all you do is swim and play? If and I tell you one more time not to swim in that pond, I'm taking you back to Clover to pick cotton. Now get me a switch to put on your back. Next time, maybe you'll remember to stay away from that water death trap. And you didn't even bring in some wood. Now, how's I supposed to cook the food? Well, they ain't come home from work yet. He done stopped up in the meadow, I bet. Why they hang around there, I don't know. Gotta buy you lick at the back door. They and me needs to go to church on Sunday. The meadow will open back up on Monday. Maybe he'll take me out on Tuesday up the street to the Anthony movie. I really likes on the weekend to go to Adam's cocktail lounge myself. I can dress up real pretty, dance, and drink of whatever he'd have left. Now, the other children at the creek at my sister's, I know. Lawrence, you didn't even sweep this slow. Lawrence, this switch is too short and too thin. Now go get me another <laughs> to add to this one. While I get these clothes off of the line, this time my wash came out mighty fine because the soot from the shipyard today was light. And the 26th Street car got me home a fortnight. I'm so glad when summer is over and done. Back to Fleming School is where Mr. Lawrence is going. All my little babies will be in daycare soon, too. And I'll be singing a different tune. Hallelujah. Thanks for letting me share. <laughs> that was lively, beautiful. I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. When my mom told me to get a switch for her, you know, to spank me, I said, I got the driest thing I could find. <laughs> she hit me oh, with it and smart. it broke. Most people just went and got the short one. You were smart. You got a dry <laughs> I got the what dry one. She says, you better try this again. I said, ah, you know, I'm not into this. <laughs> what What does that mean, dry? What does that dry mean? Dry means right? it's just it's ready. It'll break as soon as you hit something. It's it's oh, yeah. the, oh you, you, that. You don't want to get hit with the green ones. The green uh, dead long tree. Ones. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> the dead the green branch switch. versus the green switch. I get <laughs> <Right>. it. <laughs> so for all the young people out there, get the dry switch. <laughs> I don't know that young people allow all that anymore, right? <laughs> they, they call child services. Oh, they need to bring it back. <laughs> bring it back. That's what I say. That beautiful poem was from our guest, Rahima Rahim, and we do have her daughter with us too, Miss Reed. Thank you for joining us. You're the daughter of a poet. What what did that mean for you um, growing up? Oh, she's she's such a creative spirit. Um, I was just amazed. She she memorizes all of all of her poems, 
and she's able to recite on a dime. Like I wanted to say, yeah, is she ready? Yeah, she's always ready. <laughs> she's always <laughs> ready with, with some poem or, or, or some words of wisdom. She surprised me. She's really a great spirit. So you grew up at Turner Station or did you grow up in New York? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in no. New York. Okay. No, actually, um, uh, I, I want to share this as well. <clears throat> when Trudy was born, uh, I abandoned her. Mm-hmm. And um, I had some relatives in New York, and, and I, I went to New York, um, got my own space. And uh, uh, and then when I, when I uh, you know, but, but I had planned to go back and get her because of the circumstance, I had planned to go back and get her. Mm-hmm. But when I turned Muslim, um, the preacher kept, the minister kept saying, what's done in the dark will come out in the light. So I started crying at night, and my husband asked me, what in the world is wrong with you? I was crying so badly. He said, "Um, did you kill somebody? I said, I don't think so. So finally (laughs) I told him, and he took a deep breath and said, well, you're just going to have to go and find her. Hmm. And so when I first saw her, she said, I had to go all the way to the, the because I left a note, I kind of tracked so I could get back to her, and I had to go all the way to the head of the road social services department and the uh, foster care department <clears throat> and finally got a chance to talk to the head and, and, and the rest is history. So yeah, she's a fighter. She she didn't give up. She was relentless with writing letters and writing me letters, which of course they never gave me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. She, she's definitely a fighter. And I know she calls it abandonment. That's kind of harsh. <laughs> Or young woman in, in a young woman in New York, but um, we, mm-hmm. we, since we've connected, we've been really close. As you can see, I'm on the call. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's beautiful. Following her along. How old were you um, when you reunited with your mother? How old was I, Mom? The first letter I got from her, I think she was like, she was like nine, and she said, "I always knew you'd come back and get me." Mm-hmm. But then I was in a situation where I was about ready to leave that husband. So. <laughs> Yes. Uh, I find I find a lot of uh, not a lot. I find some artists who are women um, do have that desire to move independently when they uh, are a mother. And so, like your daughter said, abandonment might be a little harsh, but that separation from the child um, is something that um, is not talked about a lot. Can you talk about the decision to do that, please? Well, when I grew up, I, you know, of course, I wanted to be in those days, I wanted to be a virgin when I got married. And I saw two girls one time, I was a teenager, I saw two girls in the street fighting over a guy, both of them were pregnant, and he was standing there rubbing his head. And I said, that will never happen to me. (laughs) Okay, so long story short, of course, I fell in love and and got hooked up with, um, with Trudy's Trudy's dad and but he fell in love with somebody who was light skin long hair you know and so he came home one day I was I was very close to his mom and I was sitting in on the stairs and he came and he says mom I met this woman her name is this girl her name is um 
Lisa, and 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 she and she's got a baby, and the baby has straight black hair and and little beady eyes, and and I'm sitting there, and and the mother, I'm trying to hide this pregnancy, but the you know wise mother knew knew I was pregnant. She says, yeah. Mm-hmm. She kept saying, yeah. So I said, um, before I will let that happen to me, I will leave. And so mm-hmm. I left because I did not want to be a part of. I, I did not want to have to go through any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then when I got to New York, actually, we lived on Fifth Avenue. I saw a library car with the address. I forgot where it was, but we were up, <laughs> uptown, of course, near Hart Place, Fifth Street. <laughs> That's fine. It's um, Fifth Avenue still. <laughs> yes, still Fifth Avenue. And so uh, I uh, and I wanted to go to work. And in those days, they wouldn't let you go to work. So, no, you have a baby. You have to stay home. You can't work. Mm-hmm. And I was crazy in this house, you know, in this apartment uh, with other people, third floor, three people, um, three or four of us on the same floor using the same refrigerator, same bathroom, all that. But it, it was clean. But that's not what I lived in Turner Station. This, this didn't look right. So I said, okay, mm-hmm. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I couldn't take her back with me. Well, my parents almost died when they found out what I'd done because my father, he said he'd had, his mother had 12 children and they were all over the place. He says, I can't believe you did that. He says, I've always told you whatever happens, all we will always be together. I will always be here for you. But I wasn't thinking about it. I was thinking about these two girls battling over this man and this man. <laughs> and so uh, I said, I've got to, you know, I've, I, I've got to go back. And, and in addition to that, I had fallen <clears throat> as I, when I was pregnant and he was lead, abandoning me. I was going to visit his, um, visit his older brother, talking to his brother who had lived in a, in, in a room, lived in a house with somebody, with, with uh, two other guys. Mm-hmm. And um, then I got in, involved with the guy who owned the house. Cause his mother moved out and left him. He wasn't worth two, two dead flies as my dad used to say. Mm-hmm. So his mother moved out and, and once he, once she moved out, then he went to work. And until the day he died, he never, <laughs> he never missed a day for work. But while he was with his mom, he wouldn't work. So anyway, I was in love with somebody else. So this baby looked too much like I just could not go back with this baby. Mm. So I left a note and, and um, one day I was walking downtown and I must have looked really suspicious. So I walked mm. past this old white lady. And she said, uh, what are you doing down here? I said, well, you know, it's hot up in Harlem. And I, I just, I'm just, you know, going, taking my baby for a walk. Mm-hmm. And so she says, oh yeah. And she, it is, you know, I'm sure and whatever. So it was okay. Uh, but I, I said, I, I was determined. Well, I, I was mad with the, the social service department because they wouldn't let me work. Because I'm mm-hmm. putting this baby right on this step. But I, it wasn't, it, it wasn't conducive to that. But next door to the, to the welfare department, there was a, a firehouse. Right. I said, okay, I'll put the baby close to the firehouse where they can hear the baby cry. Mm-hmm. And so I left a note and told them, and I, I said, dear sisters of mercy, because I wanted my baby to be raised a Catholic, because I thought the Catholics were all virgins, and I wanted my baby, <laughs> and I had made, I wanted my baby to grow up and be a virgin. So I left a note and said, you know, I, you know, I'll, dear sisters of mercy, you know, I'll be back, blah, blah, blah. So they did wind up putting the baby in a Catholic home. Mm. Um, and I know when I first went to, to see her, I guess she must have been, what's not she around 11 or 12. So uh, she was very nice. And so they brought these um, albums to show the, the pictures of 
what she had done. You know, they were bragging about what they were able to do for her, which really made me feel really bad. All the vacations they had gone and the islands and all this. And mm. So I was just totally, um, you know, so I said, okay. Uh, and, and, and then they had a daughter who was very precocious. You know, of course, I mean, she was the blood child, so she was, mm -hmm. you know, interfering and all. They said, okay, I'll be back. So I went, I last time went back to the, um, to our station wagon because my husband and my other three children, two or three children were there. Three children were there. And so I went in, in the, and then you laid down in the back of the, uh, back of the until they finally realized it wasn't coming back and they came and we yeah left. we had to send someone to go look for her where where did she go she went to the bathroom she didn't come back so she was mm. really distraught over that but she never liked pictures and my um my foster mom was very a very strong personality and wanted yeah. wanted Rahima to go away <laughs> like she's fine leave her alone bye so that was and I'm kind of stuck in the middle you know as a young child mm. like uh-oh <laughs> 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 that's a tough yeah. decision at 11 <laughs> yeah exactly you don't have much say so or or don't even know what to do how to react really as a child yeah you know you're and seeing you know, your, they, your, they, your mother for the first right, and time and I hadn't I hadn't been been there for a while and so they just kind of took her for granted you know but mm. when I got on the scene again you know and they being a little older than I was I wasn't as demanding because I've been taught to respect my elders so I wasn't I want my baby now you know I, I I, you know, I just, I, I told the, 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 the department head, I was like, I, I don't know what to do. These people are better off than I am. I left her because I wanted her to have a better life. And so why I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take away from that. And this husband I'm with, I'm ready to move because I'm trying to, I want to do something for people. And, you know, I, I, you know, so that's how that went, you know, for that time. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yes, exactly. Well, actually, what happened was I wound up working for, and I made a note that I had abandoned my child or left my child, uh, my baby, when I applied for a position with the department of uh, the foster foster care department. And mm. I was I was surprised that they didn't, that they probably, they hired me anyway. But because of what I had gone through, and I knew what other parents have, women have gone through, I was able to save every child that they tried to put in foster care and take it away from their parents. Every child. I was so good that they gave me so much paperwork. I had to, I had to leave the foster care because I, I couldn't go and visit my children, take them to their, take them to their uh, doctor's appointments, go to school and check on them, you know, go to you know, fight for them. But when they, when they knew Raheem was coming to town, coming to the court, she was going to win her case. So they, <laughs> they did not take <laughs> yeah. me lightly. Yeah. And then back then, once you gave your child to the foster system, once your child was in the foster system, I guess depending on different situations, in my situation, because they labeled it abandonment, my mother was not able to contact me directly. She was forbidden right. to do so until I reached a certain age because they wanted to find out, first of all, mentally if you can handle it and if you even mm -hmm. wanted to. So those mm -hmm. are two things that they wouldn't let you decide as, as a young child. It would be too confusing. So they made you go through these drills and ask you certain questions. And, you know, I was like, yeah, I want to meet her, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so, so that was part of why we couldn't communicate. It wasn't like she wasn't trying, but they wouldn't allow it. It's very different today, but mm -hmm. that's how it was then. So between your, you were 11 at the time when you got, when you first met your mom or you started getting to know her. 
Um, and I guess you all carried on this uh, visitation during that time until yeah, you became an adult? Yeah, a long-distance relationship. So, okay. again, I was in New York, mm-hmm. and I remember wanting to go to Baltimore to visit because I wanted to see who these people are. And um, so I told my foster mom at the time I wanted to go. My parents, she, of course, was livid, and she mm-hmm. couldn't stop me, but she didn't want me to go, and she let me know at every turn that she didn't want me to go. She'd be on mm-hmm. the phone with her friends. Oh, Trudy's going down to see her mother. I don't know why she's doing this. <laughs> and I was like, I don't even know why. I'm a kid. I just want to look her in the face. I want to look other people that I didn't know in their face and see who they are. So I didn't really even know I wanted those curiosity, pure curiosity. So finally, um, we were able to communicate that way. And then we were writing letters back and forth to each other before, you know, before um, emails and stuff. (laughs) We're writing letters. I still have a box full of all the letters. Every letter she's ever written me, I still have. I have a box Mm -hmm. full of all of those. So we definitely stayed in communication. She was always very supportive. And um, at one point, my parents my foster parents couldn't buy me a car. And mom was like, what, what do you mean? Charlene, my sister, she got the car. So of course she sent me a car. <laughs> and nice. uh, so she was like, I said, she was always there and always, uh, always supportive and let, let, and always let me know that I was never forgotten, always loved. So I tried to still remind her of that because sometimes she gets a little crazy. Oh. <laughs> I abandoned it. Mom, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Get over it. I'm over it. <laughs> oh, nice. Now, were your foster parents white or were they black? They were black. Mm-hmm. They were black. Okay. Yeah, we were, they were black. Yeah, we lived in East Elmhurst, uh, Queens, um, and uh, that's and that's where I grew up. Hmm. A lot of musicians came from Queens, you know. Oh, yeah. James Brown and Malcolm X was from, you know, lived in East Elmhurst. So it was kind of like the, the place that black people that were not poor <laughs> could move to. Yeah, a lot of jazz musicians. Allotted. A lot of jazz musicians yes, too, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Hip hop music, even hip hop musicians. So, oh yeah, yeah. LL so it was a and good Fru. neighborhood to be raised. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So it was a great neighborhood visited, to be raised in. Yeah, and when I visited their home, you know, it was I, I lived in a I lived in Turner Station in a we had eight 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 I think we had like four houses in a, row you know row houses of four mm-hmm. and um you know a little garden but they you know they didn't have much more ground than we did but they had a very nice house uh and i judy had a i think she had a poodle and her sister had a poodle and uh, <laughs> and the mother was a da- the mother had a dance class and the father had a liquor store in 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 heart around the court in harlem uh, and, and a hardware so thought, store <laughs> hardware, and, hardware. Wow. and so I told the, the, the department head I said I don't even know if I can I can't keep up with her, her lifestyle I, I don't know if she would be satisfied with us and she says oh no these people are no better off than you because actually at the time my husband was a steel worker and and he was they were actually at the time making more money they were paying the steel workers more money than they were paying the teachers I was a I was mm-hmm. I was an instructor at Morgan State, you know, and, and my her her dad and I, when we went to see her, of course, she was, she did a performance, so we surprised her, you know, we went, I don't know what part of, <laughs> what, where was that was, we went to see her, she was very cool uh, toward us, I mean, she was cordial, but she didn't, you know, say, oh, you know, I was expecting her, to say, oh, this is my mom and dad, and, you know, but she just, you know, the other folk were there and we were there and I guess she didn't want to hurt their feelings. So she was trying to play it cool. 
So when I went back to talk to them, I said, I'm not even sure she even wants to be with us. And she just told me just a few weeks ago, she says, I wanted to be with y'all, but I didn't want to leave my friends. You know, there's a certain uh, age where your friends are the most important thing in your oh, life. Yeah, so Thursday, yeah. <laughs> Mom had oh, all, yeah. This, it, all this drama in her head, but it was a fashion show, and we were coordinating and performing as a group. So we had a lot of commitments in, in putting the show on and then the, the after stuff. And so we didn't do a lot of socializing. And that was when mm-hmm. she told me, what are you talking about? I don't remember any of that. It wasn't like, oh, she's here. I can't talk to you. Not like our first meeting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all perception, yeah. right? Well, you know what guilty conscience does? It does that. It's hard to get rid of. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I met a lady one time, mm-hmm. a, a sister who uh, who had, I was telling her, about, they, well, actually, when she came to, to Baltimore and I took her to the mosque and introduced her to some people. So the, the lady, uh, one of the ladies said, you uh, you abandoned her and then you went back and t- I said, yes, I did. And she was mm. from Chicago. I think she says, I would never. So I knew that she had also done the same thing. I guess there were a oh. lot of, a lot of that going on in those days because mm-hmm. it was almost like a sin to have a child and you weren't married. Right. That was the thing. Right. right. You know, we, we know a lot of people from mm-hmm. South, they would send their children up, up north, north or right. wherever to have the baby. And then they would go back and say, Oh, this is my new baby sister. They wouldn't claim the child. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of that going on too. And, yeah. In that time, that period. And and how old were you when you had Trudy? Uh, let's see. I finished school at sixteen. I think I was like seven. Uh, I was about seventeen. I guess I was about seventeen. I think or eighteen. Seventeen mm-hmm. or eighteen. One of those. But young mom. That's another issue. Trying to get working yeah. papers in New York when you're under eighteen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Well, they never get the working papers they, because I had a baby. <laughs> right. We need to right. go back to that one too. <laughs> Yeah. Can can we go back a little bit? Because um, we mentioned a lot of things here (laughs) that you, you're you're Rahima Rahim. You mentioned that you grew up um, with a Catholic mentality. And I know you were a Jehovah's Witness at one point. Can you take (laughs) us through that religious tour, Ms. Rahim, and and until how you became Rahima Rahim? Yeah, well, uh, as a teenager, you know, of course, you know, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses are relentless when it comes to rapping on your door. Mm-hmm. But I liked <laughs> all the reading that you had to do. And, and, and so I got involved with the Jehovah's Witnesses. And plus, their lifestyle was very strict. Mm. Um, you know, Christians always believe they could be forgiven for their sins. But but the, the Jehovah's Witnesses were, were a lot stricter. And so uh, that that attracted me because I, you know, I, I at the time, you know, I was a I was a virgin, mm-hmm. um, but once, of course, once I had a baby and and came back and and uh, and all that, I was raised actually as a Methodist. I mm-hmm. love the idea of having all these exposure to all these kinds of religions because I believe very strongly today that children need to get back into Sunday school. That's the only way we're going to be able to save them. Mm-hmm. So I grew up, my, well, actually my brother, my oldest brother, who was like five years younger than I was, author, he, he and my brother were very, very bad. I mean, they would beat up people. They learned how to box and fight and they would beat up people. And, and, and the guys from the city couldn't come to Turner's unless they got beat up <laughs> because they didn't want them mm-hmm. to mess with big girls and all that. <laughs> well, my brothers were so bad, you know, you know, these, uh, what do you call draft boards? are are situated in the town kind of near the town where you live 
Ah. And so the white folk, of course, all white, they were in Dundalk, which is next to Turner Station. And so they would pick people from the draft, but they would not pick anybody. They wouldn't, they wouldn't pick my brother Arthur because he had a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my brothers and some more boys from the town, my brother's always a leader, Arthur was always a leader. He led the uh, people up to Dundalk. They, went to, they wanted to go to the carnival. So they went to the carnival, but the white folk wouldn't let them get on the, on the, on the Ferris wheel. Mm-hmm. So that night they went back home, got some ropes, tied them together, crept back up there late that night. I guess he crawled out the window and the houses, the houses were all flat and I uh, went up there and pulled the Ferris wheel down. Of course, they knew who did wow. it. <laughs> wow. And I'm assuming that's when white folk learned that they could make a lot of money if they would just integrate. Yes. Right. Yes. My brothers decided, oh, no, we need another venue now. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Joe Tex was telling me, okay, but my uh, my brother wanted to get into the service and they wouldn't they wouldn't let him in. <laughs> I guess he was too much free will, and so um, so Joe Tex told him, well, you know, you want to get in the you want to go in the army. I got an army. You can, I know an army. You can go and I'll take you to it. So my brother was very excited. So they took him to um, to uh, Wilson Street, five fourteen mm-hmm. Wilson Street. And uh, introduced him to the captain. I think the captain was Captain Shaw at the time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he rose uh, to the rank of becoming the first lieutenant under another uh, captain from D.C. named Roosevelt. And and when the Million Man March, you know, Minister Farquhar does not he- hesitate to tell that um, the rim- the women were really the backbone for the Million Man March. All they had to do was step out on the stage. The women to handle the business. Wow. My brother was the first lieutenant uh, under uh, under whoever the captain was at that time, and um, he secured the women at that time because you know as the first lieutenant. Miss Rahim, when we say first lieutenant, are we talking about Fruit of Islam or in right. that in the Fruit of Islam? In the fruit, in the of, fruit Islam. of Islam. Okay, I just want to make that dis- distinction. Go I'm ahead, sorry. please. Yeah, he had gone to Wilson Street with the n- number six, mosque number six. Mosque number six. Four. Okay, great. Just right. wanted to clear that up. Okay. It was, you know, it was called the temple then, because really, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad told the, the ministers, when you build, I want you to build a school first. Mm-hmm. Because when you build a school, it will bring the families. And, yeah. and and if you have a temple, you know, they can learn in the, in the school, in the temple. Mm-hmm. But the egos of our men said, no, <laughs> I want to I want a temple. I want. So they started building temples. Ah. Now, in, in, in actually in in Baltimore, uh, by this time, the minister's name was Louis Omar. And he had about five or six children. So he wanted a school. <laughs> and uh, even though there was a mosque already there, he decided to build a school. But his downfall was that, and, and he asked me if I would be the uh, instructor, uh, the directors over the school, because oh. he had three women who were really capable to handle it. And wow. he was right about that. They were excellent <laughs> teachers. But I had the degrees. So he did, and he did not want to. Uh, he did not want mm-hmm. to put one of them over the other and, and cause any any rift between them. So mm-hmm. he chose me and I had to take the heat from all three of them. Actually, one of them, Sister Carolyn, she left town. The mm-hmm. other two, we got to be very close friends. But I had to struggle to get them 
you know, mm-hmm. to accept me. I hadn't even accepted Islam yet. But but he knew that the most honorable Elijah Muhammad wanted our children to be well educated. And he felt that we needed educated people to do that. Mm-hmm. And and like Henrietta Lacks, I like to hang out in the bars. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't run around. I just like to hang out in the bars and act crazy. I get me a soda, take the straw out of it and pretend I had a drink. And I would have fun. <laughs> So I told the minister, I cannot join because I can't stay out of uh, Twin Pines. It's called Twin Pines. I can't stay out of Twin Pines, which is another part of Baltimore County. <clears throat> I was married, and he understood. Mm-hmm. I, I was driving out to um, Twin Pines one night. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, I was sitting in the car, and a voice said to me, why are you going in this place? Now, already I'd been out there one night and somebody came in there with a gun. Everybody ran out but me. I'm standing there looking stupid. Ooh, wow. Even my husband ran out. <laughs> so my oh. husband ran back and said, fool, what's wrong with you? Grab me and drag me out the place. Um, but this particular night, uh, something says, why are you going in there? He said, hmm. There is nothing in there for you but death. Huh. I cranked up my car and rode home and that Sunday I you know when they asked you to stand up I stood up and joined amazing and that was the best decision in my life I ever made I think <laughs> I'll praise the a lot now I had a question it seems like uh colorism has played a large part in your life the awareness of it you mentioned, um, you know, the light-skinned well, uh, people. Yes, I was going to say, so if colorism was affecting your outlook, uh, and maybe the way you looked at yourself, the way you thought the community looked at you um, from the time you were a teenager, and you mention it now today, um, when is that going to change ever? Do you think we as African-Americans can ever let that go or um, resolve this situation anyway? What are your thoughts on this? Oh, I it doesn't bother me, and it shouldn't really bother anybody today. Mm-hmm. When I was at Morgan, when I was started graduate school, I had a boyfriend. This is the this is the biggest glitch I had. I had a boyfriend who was, I'll say, biafran, <laughs> uh, you know, from Nigeria, and he he had gone to Howard. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, when he came to Hopkins, and and we started talking, I went to his his apartment one time, and I said. And I noticed that all these women he had in these books were light skinned. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it did take it did take me to therapy. I went to Fitz Clinic at Johns Hopkins for therapy when I started school because I could not remember anything. And I called and said, "Look, I can't remember anything. I'm reading all these books and I can't remember anything." I had a West Indian doctor who told me, um, and he didn't talk much. He listened a lot, but he said. He said, you can't remember because something really bad happened in your life. He didn't tell me, I didn't tell him about my baby, Trudy. He said, Mm -hmm. something really bad happened in life that you are trying to forget. And when you, when you try to, when, then when you try to remember stuff, you got all this stuff jumbled up in your head and your brain can't decipher what to, what to bring forth and what to let go. Hmm. And I knew exactly when I had, when I did it, I was 14. I was reading Gone with the Wind. And when Scarlett O'Hara said, oh, no, I will not think about this today. I will think about it tomorrow. She started pushing stuff in the back of her head. I said, wow, that's cool. I'm going to do that with stuff I don't like. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. 
so that's, you know, that that's what happened. But uh, the therapist, I, I told him about my boyfriend. He didn't believe me. Then I pulled out a picture and showed him. He said, yeah, I've, I've seen him. I've seen him around here. Because, uh, you know, when you're in therapy, you, 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 you fantasize a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, my boyfriend, he had a, a roommate named Nadi. Nadi was... Nadi was black as coal, red eyebrow, red eyeballs, brilliant as he could be. Mm. He was a chemist, and he says, "I want to learn so I can go back home and help my people get their oil in their own hands." My boyfriend Emmanuel wanted to stay in America, make money, get him a light-skinned wife, and he would be happy. So he married a light-skinned. He so he married this light-skinned girl. I backed down. I said, okay, I love you. I don't know if I love him or I love the idea of going back to Africa, but I told him, I said, <laughs> I love you enough to let you have your own choices. Mm. So I'm stepping back <clears throat> and let you do what you do. Mm-hmm. And so I stepped out of completely out of the way. And so uh, that's when one of his, I was talking to John, John, why is he, why does he want this girl? He says, I don't know. He said, I know why he wants the girl because she's light skinned. She's mm-hmm. like a blue vein. You know, some people are so pale, you can see their veins. Right. He said, um, he's light skinned. He said, there were fine girls in Howard that we would have introduced him to, but he wanted this girl. He wanted the light skinned one. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, you know, it, it, it kind of did it for me, you know, well, you know, he made his choice and I'm going to make mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though Emmanuel, Judy's father, was not, you know, was not dark skinned. Um, but uh, I did wind up getting a couple of dark skinned husbands. <laughs> the one I'm separated from that is dark skinned, chocolate, I call it. <laughs> the darker the berry. Yeah, the blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice. That's what they used to say. The <laughs> Next to Henrietta Lacks, we have Turner Station's second most famous resident, poet Rahima Rahim. And for those who don't know anything about Henrietta Lacks, how would you tell them, especially uh, younger people? I wish my granddaughter were here because, we, uh, you know, usually during this time you have to do Henry, Harriet Tubman or uh, uh, somebody, mm-hmm. you know, like that. And so my, my daughter got my great-granddaughter to do um, Henrietta Lacks, who when she had uh, cervical cancer and they had her herself uh, at Johns Hopkins they did not they did not uh, die they kept they they kept uh, mutating and um, as a result of that they were able to send them all over the world even up into space to see how they fared in space um, uh, and I don't want to use a you know, use a lot of time that I'd like for people to to look her up and also to read Schlup's book that gives you background and and her her healer self. They they named it healer self. They tried to pretend that it wasn't her. They gave it all kinds of they, the name healer was supposed to have been somebody else's name. So they tried to steal it, but they there's no way they could steal it. Uh, like you know um, you know folk who are good at you know we are crea- we are a creative people. Some people are good at copying. And so with their copying skills, they, they, they tried to steal it, but they couldn't steal um, the history of Henrietta Lacks, mm-hmm. the true history of Henrietta Lacks. So how many children did you have all together? Uh, let me see. I think I have six. I get mixed up because I also had a foster child who was also my godchild. And sometimes I get rid of how many children do I have? I have six children, five girls, one boy. The boys in the middle, um, the young, two younger ones are twins. And Trudy, of course, is my, my big baby girl. 
<laughs> Beautiful. And, and grandchildren. You mentioned grandchildren. How many do you have? Oh, I used to know that. See, I, I think I have six grandchildren um, out of three. Uh, uh, two. My son only had one son, Shivago Jones. He only had one son. Um, the youngest one had, had uh, I'm getting the children and grandchildren mixed up. The youngest one had three children. And the, the, the twin next to her, Tawana, had one son. So uh, I have six altogether. Nice. Big family. Yes, we have a big. We have the biggest family in the mosque <laughs> on, on Islam. <laughs> and that's tough it's to beat. I know family family's really important to people in the mosque. <laughs> oh, it was tough in those days because they were much stricter than they are now. Mm. But I wouldn't change anything in the world. Some of we need to get back to like our own schools and building schools before we build mosques, where people sit down. My my grand my grand Shante's husband Eber Brown, who actually runs the Black look this up everybody because you need to get into this the Black Food Security Network. Mm. He calls it sitting in the church not doing anything, religious rigor mortis. Oh, and I've adopted it for the Muslims who also do the same thing: religious practice, religious rigor mortis. <laughs> mm. Thanks well, we for letting me that, share. But... <laughs> Thank that's the way to end it that's the best way to end it <laughs> Thank you for do sharing. not have religious, religious rigor mortis, rigor mortis. <laughs> or spiritual Never. rigor mortis right. <laughs> and before we go we want to remind everyone that these stories may be found on our website at beforeyougo.tv make sure you visit us at beforeyougo.tv there's no time like the present what, what a, a gift, gift.